Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Tommy DeVito, to my James Conway. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. Yeah, and our very own Henry Hill. That's right, it's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing today? The original guy who got mad at people named Karen. He's <laughs> <laughs> got like three movies where he's yelling, Karen, Karen. The o- he's the OG. He's, he's the, the, OG. the fir- first one. Often well, imitated, never duplicated. We're ne- we're deep we're deep into camp now, boys. It's training camp time, and that means that there's actually stuff to talk about. So I'm going to start off with um, the defensive line because it's been a big story. Pro Football Focus ranked us 26th, and if you want to hear people talking about that, go listen to Man to Man. They did a segment on it, but I want to come at it from a different angle. In this in this training camp, the Seahawks have played a lot of bare fronts. Bare fronts meaning that they've put five guys on the defensive line two pass rushers and then three uh, def- uh, two defensive ends and a big end. So because they've been doing this, it, it looks like that's going to be a front that we at least use on early downs uh, some, and this would be more of like a three, four style defense. And so there's a, there's 15 or sorry, there's five. Can I, can I be Carol in this? Nathan, it's not a bear. Fr- it's a, it's a three, four over for no, it's four, a four, three, three under front. Under front, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or he would just call it a bear front. That's what he would call it. And and so there's 13 guys that are really fighting for, I would say, 11 jobs if they keep Taylor because Taylor seems to be worked his way into being the four three linebacker and uh, a pass rusher. Yeah, like he's a Leo. the Bruce Irvin. He's he's the new Bruce Irvin. So so Taylor, if you so keeping Taylor, I think Taylor's basically a deadlock to make the roster and has no chance of getting cut and barring some kind of catastrophic injury. Uh, that we're getting arrested. Yeah. Something like that. Exactly. Uh, so that leaves, uh, 12 guys for 10 spots. You got to cut two. So let's talk about these guys that are fighting for spots. So we've got our true defensive tackles. These guys are going to play defense tackles. You probably need, you need three of these guys. So Ford, Monet, Woods, Lattimore. Okay. You need to keep three of those guys. Then for the big end, the flexible guys, these guys that can play a defensive end in a four, three or the big end in the bare front. This would be Kerry Hyder. LJ Collier, Rasheem Green, Robert Kim DJ. Three of these guys are probably going to make the roster. And then the Leo slash Russ ends. You got Dunlap, Mayoa, Taylor, Robinson, Smith. I'm probably looking at three plus of those. You could cut two. You could cut two of those. You could get away with it and keep everyone else. So which two guys do you think are going to end up being the guys on the chopping block at the end of this training camp? Because this is a what I've noticed about this defense line group is, yes, while we are short on raw star power, you know, Dunlap is the biggest star and he's aging, right? This is a very deep defensive line group and one that was top 10 in the league in sacks in the second half of last year and really kind of came into its own. So I've, I'm very uh, bullish. I was trying to make sure I did it the, <laughs> didn't say it the wrong one. I'm very bullish on the prospects of this defensive line. It seems like a really deep, talented group that could do a lot. But two of these guys are going to get cut and they're going to be good players you know or at least useful nfl players so i'll start with you eric which uh which two do you think are going to be the ones that uh that reach the uh the chopping block so one name that keeps coming back to me that i i i would say six months ago i would have said no way but now i wonder it just he keeps coming up as rasheem green Mm -hmm. i i don't i don't i don't have any problem with rasheem green but he hasn't he hasn't progressed the way we thought he would um I, I don't know how you guys feel about Rasheem Green, There's, but I just feel like so he's the one on the bubble for sure. Rasheem Green was a guy that I picked as well, and I do think it's 
uh, it's a combination of two things. One, Robert Kim DJ has a lot of camp hype, right? The 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 writers are all talking about him. There's videos. The Seahawks are posting videos of him hyping up the crowd. Pete Carroll said he's a beautiful soul. Like there's just a bunch of like <laughs> weird like Robert Kim DJ hype. And I mean, Kevin can tell you this in a minute, I'm sure. But but uh, the, all the physical tools were always there for Kim DJ. It, it was just like a, a matter of of mental mentality and uh, and kind of figuring it out. And it, it would be it would be a really great classic Pete Carroll reclamation project to find a guy like that. And while Green has flashed at times. Um, I just think that the upside of Robert Kim DJ might keep him on the roster over the over green and Collier just seems to have taken his kind of his, his spot. His yeah, yeah. His, his, his Collier seems to have passed green in the, uh, the big end, uh, pecking order. And of course they're not cutting Kerry Hyder. They just gave him a, a, some guarantees like, and yeah. unless he is just really bad, I can't see them, them, uh, putting him on the street. So I would agree with you. Yeah. I think green is definitely in trouble. It's green and green or Kim DJ. Right. And, and then right now it just seems like Kim DJ has the, the inside track on that one. Well, I, th- I think the other name that if you want me to pick two names, I think the other one is going to be, it's going to have to be a shock. Someone that you were like, Oh, I kind of thought he was a lock. And for that, I'd probably nominate Alden Smith yeah. only because we don't know what his, I don't know what his frequency of excellence is going to be. That's a, a new term I learned this week. And I don't know what his, what his arrest, uh, what his court records are going to be. Um, yeah, so, I'll- I'm kind of nominating him as like a guy that don't be surprised if he's not here. So I'd agree with you too. The Leo, the Russians for me, it came down to Smith versus Mayo and I had trouble making a decision there because I think Robinson really showed a lot in his rookie year. Dunlap's not going anywhere. Taylor, obviously you can't cut him because he's the crossover guy, right? They'll have to cheat and keep an extra defensive lineman. So there, and then I think the other guy you can cut is Lattimore, but Kevin, did you cut Lattimore or did you go with similar guys? I have Cedric Lattimore out too. I think, uh, I think Monet and Ford both show that they can take a lot of snaps. And the other thing is that Robert Kandite can play that uh, if so on rush downs, I think you could play Robert Kandite as your true defensive tackle because, well, the guy's really quick. He is six, three and 300 pounds. So he has the bulk. He has the frame. He has the length. He's got 34 inch arms. Um, he's the kind of guy who can play inside. And that's a role that he has been playing in both college and the NFL. So, He's, he's very kind of, he's very big by the way. 314 pounds, six foot four. Like yeah. Me plus an extra seventy-five pounds. No yeah, more. Exactly. <laughs> Even more than seventy-five pounds. Yeah, this guy's huge. Yeah, this is a very large guy. <laughs> and so and in addition to being gigantic like that, he's also like really athletic. He had a 35-inch vertical jump, which is like respectable for a running back. He had a 116-inch broad. The, his explosive traits coming into the uh, combine were really impressive. He ran a four eight seven forty. You know, this is a guy whose athletic profile, like you said, is one of a top tier interior pass rusher in the NFL. Yeah. And the other thing is, if Bob Kandiche works works out, that gives you the opportunity to cheat a second time because that's a guy who can kind of play that um, big and slash tackle spot so it's nice to have again that positional flexibility which would let you maybe keep more of a special like puna ford's not going to play russian you know he might play fullback we all have hopes but he's not going to play russian (laughs) and so you can keep more guys that are locked into a spot puna and monet we know what they are going to be doing and so 
keeping keeping a Bob Candice allows you to lo- uh, to have two other guys with that have less less flexibility while still allowing you to absorb an injury or absorb uh, you know a high snap count from one game to another or a short bye week something like that. So I I do agree. I think Kimdiche, uh if he can keep his head on straight, he does have a really good chance of making it. I think Lattimore is gone. I think it does come down to Alden Smith and Betsameoa. And I'm going to I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here, and I think it's going to be Alden Smith that gets cut. And here's why: I think that Alden Smith is pretty much a pure edge, and Betsameoa can back up Darrell Taylor in that Leo role where he kind of gets up and moves around a little bit more. And I'm going to say just to make a different argument than I know you're going to make that I'm going to go with Betsameoa because I think Betsameoa offers that flexibility for the team. And but I now cut, tell me why Alden Smith's upside's higher. No, I, I cut green and I cut green and Lattimore. Although I do think uh, if you're, if they end up choosing between Mayo and Smith, I mean, Smith just, um, there's a lot of like chatter around him in camp about how he's just helping the other guys and how he's just such a pro and all this stuff. And I, I do By think the way, that... great story from being the idiot that yelled bomb in an airport to now being like the, uh, <laughs> yeah. like the, like the veteran soothing presence on a, in a locker room. Like, he's... you know, I, I really hope that this, this is generally how his whole life is turned around because good for him. If that is, he's, he's very, very good uh, at football. And so that's like, a, kind of what I think is like, it's the Smith Smith is the only guy in this roster that could have like a 15 sack season. And I wouldn't be like, Whoa, what happened? You know what I mean? That Alden, if Alden Smith had busted out and became like the, the original Alden Smith from it's like 10 years ago now, you know, but it's a long time ago, but, but that guy, that guy could get 15 sacks and that's, that's the guy he, that guy is still in there somewhere, you know, yeah. even though he, he's old and he took a lot of time off football. So there's not my, it's not like there's mileage on his body. Right. I mean, unless, when he was suspended, he was doing like hard drugs or something, you know, but if he was, if he, if he was just even just being living a normal life, he, he, uh, he's got a lot of gas left in the tank. All right, Kevin, we'll start with you on this one. Dwayne Brown and Jamal Adams are not practicing without new contracts. Who do you get things get signed first, Jamal or Dwayne? Um, or, I or think it, their extension, I guess. Is what I'm saying. I think it's going to be Dwayne. Cause I think Dwayne's is going to be easier to work out. Uh, Dwayne probably wants like, two or three years and just wants a little bit of guarantee sitting on there to keep him making his money. Yeah. So I think Dwayne's contract is going to be the easier of the two, which makes me think that it's going to be the one that happens first. He basically just wants the same contract he had last time, right? Like three thirty with 20 plus million dollars in guarantees. Uh, yeah. So. Or maybe like three thirty six or something just because well, he, got, he wants he to get three, that top 10 money. He got three thirty four last time, so I think there that yeah, I think that that he could, I think he could take a little less because he knows he knows he's thirty seven. He's aware. I think they got to do Jamal first just because they need to see where how much they can give Dwayne this year. Like, what's the maximum number they can give him? That's uh, the other argument, and how, yeah, and how that fits together with Jamal. But and so that's holding back. But I will say this: Dwayne Brown would not have played like more than ten training camps snaps anyway, even if he was fully healthy, because he's a he doesn't need to go out there and prove anything. And he definitely, he's just, he's really good. So he, and old. So, oh, so can I address this? Rest. He, he would be resting anyway. Don't worry about it. This is not uh, a point of contention. Like people are trying to make it out to be. There are people that are going to talk about how it's a new offensive scheme. The offensive scheme comes out of the tree of offensive schemes that Dwayne Brown spent like the first half of his career in. 
these are going to be really, really similar to the type of blocking that he was doing um, for most of his time on the Texans. Yeah. So it's going to be that. Um, oh, my my lack of coffee is catching up to me. Uh, it's a, it's a, Denver it's Broncos a offensive power, coordinator. It's a gap. It's a gap powered zone power run scheme. Yeah. So he'll 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 be just running. That he he knows what to do. It's, it won't yeah. be hard for him. Okay. Eric, this question starts with you. So Dwayne Eskridge just has a, has a foot thing. Yeah. And that, we all know what that means. Uh, do the, should the Seahawks be looking at the, uh, cut our cuts, receivers legs are falling off cut market for a, like, you know, trade a seventh round pick for a number three wide receiver. Now the, the big name out of camp so far is Penny Hart. Penny Hart's been having an excellent camp. People talk about how, how, uh, he's been going crazy out there. So, I'm not a hundred percent sure about yeah, that. Is... <laughs> okay. So you have to take a few things into consideration. How many years in a row is someone allowed to be a camp darling, by the way? Is there a cap on that? Okay. I'll say this. On the time, the time I went to camp, I went to camp one day and Penny Hart had an awesome catch in the, when I was there, it was pretty, it was pretty dope. Like he was, it was Russ kind of laid it up and it was just short of the goal line. And he, he jumped over. He basically mossed, uh, like I think it was Demarius Randall. So, so, uh, yeah, it was pretty sweet. Cut Randall, sign hard to a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you have to take a few things into consideration. One, how much Pete Carroll loves his high round rookies, his guys that might be something and then discern where his trust lies. Okay. So if it's a first round pick or a guy he's super high on and he drafts high, then he is just all in on that person. If it's someone that he thinks is a diamond in the rough at receiver, that guy's probably going to be a darling of the practice squad. And thus next year's preseason darling as well. Going back to Kevin's point about how many years can you be a preseason darling? So following this logic, Pete Carroll is definitely looking for scraps off the garbage heap right now. And it's not going to be anyone that, like a big name that we trade, it's going to be like the number three for the Lions who got cut because you know the, li- he, the Lions number three. No, it will not be the Detroit last. Another team's number six. Last year's last year's Lions number three. I know. Last, last year's Lions, Lions last, number three is this year's Lions number one. That's no, no, that's not true. Last year's Lions number three is this year's San Francisco's number three. Who is who is not Golden <laughs> oh, Tate, but Golden Tate? Like uh, not not Golden Tate back then. Now. Like who's cool? Because the the Lions number three is like Khalif Raymond or Quintus Cephas. Like it's like really bad. Yes. The Lions, Welcome to Lions the Seahawks for three weeks. Horrible. I'm There's... telling you, it's going to be a guy who gets cut that you were like, oh, we signed him. Okay. I would be very interested in seeing the Seahawks go out and pick up James Washington. I think that's the good name on the market. I just don't think that they do it. Yeah, I think exactly. that James Robinson, James Washington would be cool because. Yeah, even though he doesn't get good separation, he's pretty good at kind of all the other things you want a wide receiver to do. And the only thing that stopped him from being really good is opportunity. All right, finally, the sec- cornerback. fat quarterback sucks. The Seahawks sound <laughs> very confident in their corner in their cornerback play uh, so far this preseason with Akella Witherspoon and DJ Reed both apparently playing very well. And also a couple guys having some splash plays. Demarius Randall had him a pick six in practice. Uh, there's guys, guys are just playing good. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, starting with you, Kevin, what's your confidence level in the Seahawks cornerback group going into the the preseason here? Six. Okay, that's uh, not, too, not too bad. I think that they picked up enough people that 
they should be able to shake out a decent set of wide receivers from it. Um, I think that slot corner is a position where I feel pretty good because I think the worst case that the scenario we have is Ugo Amadi playing over there, and I thought he was respectable. Best case we have is Marquis uh, Blair can really break out this season, and so I feel like that's one cornerback position that I'm not particularly worried about. I think that we have really good safeties that are going to be even better after having had a full offseason and Jamal Adams hopefully not being a walking injured all year. And so that comes down to just the outside corner spots. So the worst case scenario for outside corner, in my opinion, would be that we have DJ Reed, who takes a slight step back from last year, and Trey Flowers as our two starting outside corners. Um, That's not great, but that's probably like... I don't know, bottom 10 in the league, probably not the worst in the league. So the fact that Akilah Witherspoon, I think, provides a much higher ceiling and Trey Brown comes in there and provides another player to compete for those snaps if either of if either Reed or Flowers are not good enough makes me feel better. And so now that we have Reed and Witherspoon being the two getting hyped out of camp, those are the two players outside of Trey Brown that I would most want to see getting a lot of positive camp notes because those are two players that I think have again really high ceilings of being quality NFL starting corners and so that makes me a lot more excited than like if Trey Brown was getting a lot of positive notes or like you'll notice I'm not super thrilled about Demarius Randall we know what Demarius Randall is Demarius Randall being like our fourth corner with some safety flexibility sure neat but like if they're like oh yeah Demarius Randall really lighting it up along with Trey Flowers I'd have been like a two because that's scary. But when you have two people that you can have some confidence in, have the physical ability and you've seen them make plays in NFL games, just maybe not like sustained over a long period of time. When those guys are flashing in camp too, that kind of gives you a lot more hope than other players would. All right, Eric, what, how do you, what's your confidence level on a scale of one to 10? And it's the same as Kevin's actually, it's a six, but it's because of who I am. And I think it's a five. Like I'm not, super unconfident but i'm not super confident but then you know i really i really want the best of this team i'm really excited for this team (laughs) so it's a six yeah so i'm putting a point on it uh i still think i'd still like to see another body in there i would like to see richard sherman i think with uh what's gone on with him recently for some reason that really made me think he was more likely to be here i don't know Mm -hmm. maybe that's illogical but get the P care redemption arc. Seriously, Kevin. I mean, don't, don't tell me you guys don't see that. We feel it. And I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but for right now it's a six. It's not, I don't know if I, if I feel like we are, I don't really know where I would rank this team's secondary. I have no clue. It is a complete mystery to me. So, so, so right now for the the corn just the cornerbacks I I mean if I was I was looking at all the different cornerback groups in the NFL and I just gotta feel like we're in the the bottom third of the league and then just based on like what we've seen within these guys in the field so the the thing I'm you gotta cook in is like the Pete Carroll effect I guess like can Pete Carroll turn Akella Witherspoon into the like the best version of himself and is DJ Reed uh, really the guy we saw last year or was that kind of like just a just a short-term flash and those two questions will be a lot so I'm right in the middle I'm at five I, I'm a DJ Reed truther by the way if no one yeah. can tell 
DJ Reed, I mean, I, I agree. Like what we saw on the field last year was uh, like a a 1B type of corner. Not like quite a number one, but a very good cornerback that, that you can completely rely on and would be one of the better number twos in the league. It was just that was one you know, one part of one season, right? It's not, I think the, the good thing about this cornerback group is that we haven't heard much about Trey flowers because that means that he's not heavily involved. <laughs> so that's, yep. that's, 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 and that's what I want. I want the, to not be relying on Trey flowers for anything because that, that terrifies injury me. snaps. Yeah. So injury snaps or, or cut list. Here we go. Okay. Oh, so let's get into it. Let's get into it. This is our last division preview. And then uh, next week on Patreon, also we'll start our gambling series, which is which is always a lot of fun. We do the gambling podcast every week during the season. Uh, so we'll have the, you know, th- through the preseason and uh, you can hear who we think will win divisions and all that. And hopefully you already got your money on Washington football team to win the division, but it's gods are getting worse every day. So so uh, let's start off with the Arizona Cardinals. They went eight and eight last year. They added J.J. Watt. Malcolm Butler, James Conner, A.J. Green, Rodney Hudson. Uh, they lost Patrick Peterson, Kenyon Drake, Hassan Reddick, and Larry Fitzgerald. Drafting Zavin Collins, Rondale Marr, and Marco Wilson. Seahawks connection. Uh, the, you can always remember, remember Malcolm Butler is involvement with the C- – no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Darrell da- Daniels, uh, their tight, the tight end, is their, is their number two tight end. He's their backup tight end. Former so, UW tight end too. So, uh, yeah. Then uh, let's go ahead and uh, start off with uh, Eric. Eric, what do you think about the car the Cardinals prospects this year? Okay, so the Cardinals historically the Cardinals have been bad or a team that is almost there. They're so close. When are they just going to take that next step? Looking at growth from last year, this should be the year they take the step. I look at all the preseason previews of, you know, every team we talk about, Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> most of them talk about the huge key additions. And J.J. Watt and A.J. Green. Okay, so J.J. Watt, yeah, that's a pretty big ad, and I'm not excited that the that the Cardinals signed him. I don't think he'll play the whole season for them. I think he'll have moments where he flashes, moments where you're like, is J.J. Watt playing? Uh, but is AJ- it, is it, Does it surprise you that he's on the pup list with a sore hamstring? <laughs> <laughs> Shocked! 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 <laughs> um, but A.J. Green is... Washed. I don't think I don't Do, think he's a dead body, but yeah, Kevin just said he's washed. He is he's okay. not a guy that you're like the, AJ Green. DeAndre Hopkins, okay, in an interview said he said AJ Green is the best wide receiver I've ever played with, and he's played with Larry Fitzgerald and Andre Johnson. And he said, I know what you're thinking. I've played with Andre Johnson and and uh, Larry Fitzgerald, but AJ has a lot more left in the tank when I got to play with him than those guys did. And mm-hmm. I'll say this, AJ Green has never been able to separate. If you if you go and look at separation stats, which is something I did a lot this offseason for fantasy football, trying to see if there was anything there. AJ Green throughout his whole career is among the worst in the league at creating separation. And it doesn't matter. He still put up like 1600 yard seasons and stuff. Uh, he his tools don't rely on him being a separation guy. So I think that the ad might matter a little more than people are getting credit. He is still. Uh, 33 so i'm not like saying he's gonna be <laughs> i would just like to congratulate <laughs> uh, the guy but <laughs> I, I i would just uh like to uh congratulate deandre hopkins i didn't realize that he had already transitioned into his post playing career as being an agent and uh <laughs> i'm really glad that he was able to pick up aj green um that's a that's a good get for him so, so early in his so career. I, I get what, i'm picking up what you're putting down though eric these guys are they picked up some old guys 
right? Yeah, and it's I, I like their draft. Uh, and I'm sure Kevin will talk more about their draft. I think their offensive line is better than it was last year. But here's here's the I've I've told you the problems with the Cardinals. Here's my problems with rooting against the Cardinals. Because all my opinions on the Cardinals are problems. Because I don't like the Cardinals. This team started strong last year, and then what happened? They just they they laid a giant fart down the down the last uh, you know nine ten games of the season. So if you think that's going to happen again, you're probably wrong. Especially with the heart the heart of JJ Watt rooting them on from from within. Uh, America loves that. That's going to get us a bunch of hits right there. Uh, for this reason, uh, this really messes me up. I have the Cardinals at eleven and six, and I okay. think eleven and six is. So, I don't. I don't want to see them past ten. So this is the beginning of the season schedule for the Cardinals. Okay, and this is like kind of uh, colored a lot of my thoughts on them. They have to play vers- uh, ver- at the Titans. Tough mm-hmm. start. Then they go versus Vikings, who I like the Vikings, even though they seem to be kind of a mess this camp with their coach going to war with their quarterback. Then they have at Jaguars, who every day I talk myself into them being better. Uh, at Rams, pretty solid team. And then they have versus 49ers at Browns. That's like no weeks off until week seven, right? Like then they play when they the get te- a bye week. They get to play the Texans at home. That's, That's like this is that's this is a tough schedule okay that the cardinal the cardinals have here this is very difficult to start the season and i think that the those stumbling blocks at the beginning of the year are really going to determine how good this team is if they can get through that stretch with three wins this is a playoff team okay but that's a that's an ask that is not that is not a freebie that is not a free square especially when cliff kingsbury is your head coach and so i love their offseason Rodney Hudson is a great stabilizing ad that this offensive line needed. I think this offensive line will take a a big step forward because because center is the one position that can make the biggest difference. Uh, JJ Watt's a really good ad. Now, if they can, they got to get Chandler Jones into camp and make him happy. They got to figure out how to do that because right now it's a problem. He's not he's not there. And if they don't have Chandler Jones, uh, putting all your pass rush weight on JJ Watt's back is a good way for him to end up, as Eric said, spending most of the season on the sidelines. Um, their draft is really solid. Rondell Moore, I think is a really, they, so they drafted Andy Isabella and tried to turn him into a slot receiver and it didn't work because Andy Isabella is not a slot receiver. So then they were like, all right, well, we need a redo. Let's go get Rondell Moore. And I think that was really smart. Rondell Moore is pretty much the guy that they wanted Andy Isabella to be. He has, they have similar athletic tools, but Rondell Moore actually knows how to play slot wide receiver, which, which is helpful in the in the in this offense that's going to come out with three or even four guy wide receivers on the field a lot uh kyler murray should take another small step forward as a he is and he is a really good quarterback someone that we should really be thinking about and i do think their running back situation is actually better than last year with edmonds probably receiving a bigger piece of the pie he's very explosive and james connor just there to soak up the goal line work because chase edmonds is uh really diminutive he's very small and uh you just need a guy that can go in there and be the battering ram sometimes and james connor's good enough for that so uh james connor is younger than i thought like i was i was looking at james connor and i was like man he's kind of old as he watched and then i was like he's 26 and then i thought about it and i was like oh yeah the steelers offensive line just sucked last year yeah it did <laughs> that was the real problem it was not james connor uh being old and washed so i li- i like this team quite a bit i think they're they're a fringe playoff team you know and that's where they're at and that that early stretch of games how they get out of that will determine whether that they're a fringe playoff team or just a team that's right on the outside looking in i hope they're on 
I hope they make the playoffs because that gives us one more year of Cliff Kingsbury, which helps the Seahawks. So we're we're rooting for them to be ten and seven and make the playoffs. That's what I put. <laughs> They're ten and seven in the last team in the playoffs. That's what we want to happen because then this team will will roll Cliff Kingsbury back in for one more year, and that's good because I just think Cliff doesn't have it uh, unless it is having a cool house. Uh, then he has it in spades <laughs> with a pool. Uh, but Kevin, what do you think about the Cardinals? Uh, so the Cardinals are an interesting team and I mean, yeah, I'll just get it out there in advance. Any team with Cliff Kingsbury as their head coach is basically like the wins above Raheem Morris is low to uh, take a dated term. It might be Raheem Morris. <laughs> yeah. That's that's there's no above in that scenario. He's, I think he's one of the worst head coaches in the NFL. And so I take a look at the moves they made in the offseason. Um, JJ Watt, if it comes at the expense of Chandler Jones, is a terrible, terrible offseason move. If it comes along with Chandler Jones, it's a pretty solid pickup. Uh, AJ Green, I've already made my feelings known. I think he's washed. I think that he is a player who maximized the margins and then got a serious injury and got a little older and can't do that anymore. But they did make a couple additions I think are really big. Uh, Darquez Denard played for a terrible Atlanta def- defense last year and was also just like out. Um, and Malcolm Butler was last man standing on a Tennessee defense that couldn't keep anybody healthy to save their lives. Adding the two of them to the secondary is going to make that secondary considerably better than it was because Malcolm- Patrick Peterson played really bad last Malcolm season. Butler was better than Patrick Peterson last year. Just yep. just right straight up. Like Malcolm Patrick Peterson is getting worse every year and cuz he's a he's an I oh, uh it's really hard to just go out there and single cover dudes and then his athleticism gets worse and it, so it gets harder and harder, right? Every yeah. every every year as time goes by, he's not playing zone still and getting older. So it just yeah, gets more Island kind of did vanish into the sea a little quicker than people remember, I think. It's climate you know, for change, the same reason. Kevin. That's exactly it. Um, And so, and then they added Rodney Hudson to the offensive line, which kind of makes their offensive line a little bit like ours, where it's rather unheralded, but they have one really, really good guy. And then a bunch of other people who just are like solid. And so their offensive line has gotten quietly gotten a lot better the last couple of seasons. They didn't really lose a ton in my opinion. Picking up Zayvon Collins is interesting because they keep wanting to play positionless football on defense, and then they keep not knowing what to do with their positionless football players. But if they can figure it out, Zayvon Collins is a really good yeah. pass rush Zayvon linebacker Collins, hybrid. Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons on the same team, if you have a good defensive coordinator, which I think they do, is a joy. That yep. is like, those guys are really just Swiss Army knives out there, and it's, it could they can have a lot do a lot of stuff with those dudes. Um, they just got to really figure out how that all fits together. And I think Vance Joseph is good enough to figure it out. Yeah, I think Zayvon Collins has the size to do what they wanted Hassan Reddick to do. Mm-hmm. And then they bring in Rondale Moore. The interesting thing about Rondale Moore is, well, I do think he's a good fit for the offense. I also think Christian Kirk is a really good fit for the offense, and they couldn't do as much with him as it seemed like they should be able to do. So you know, this it, just kind of gets filed in the whole Cliff Kingsbury sucks file. Is it weird to you that they just really never gave Christian Kirk a chance to be the the slot guy? I guess they had Larry Fitzgerald, right? So this it's not like they it's just it's just that it seems he seems born for that. that and role. then Larry Fitzgerald retired, and so like wait, we need to bring in another old dude. Yeah, I don't and know. It's what, like hmm. They keep blocking Christian Kirk. That might be a good trade slash cut target if he ends up on the like on the outs or being like I want out of here. 
Like, yeah, he's he's, he's he quick. Talented. He's sneaky good. Uh, uh, Marco Wilson has uh, one of the most boneheaded things I've seen in college football. He's the guy who, uh, on the game-winning tackle against LSU last season, proceeded to throw the LSU player's shoe 20 yards downfield and yeah. pick up a penalty that gave them a field goal kick to win the game and uh, cost Florida a chance at uh, much loftier uh, postseason goals. And I actually think Tay Gowan might be the better defensive back that they drafted. So their draft was, it was fine. Like they were missing a third round pick. They're missing a fifth round pick. Their first two picks are probably pretty good. I do think, I just think their head coach kind of puts a cap on them. So I'm going to put them at nine and eight, which I think is good enough wow. to keep them for one more season, um, which yeah, I, I think they do. It- I think if they don't make the playoffs, he's gone, gone, gone. Because they they have invested, and this is a talented football team. Like they, you can't. I think he's he's burnt bread. I got you. Got to root for Arizona to make the playoffs if you want more, <laughs> more Kingsbury. All right, uh, Rams. Rams added Matt Stafford and Deshaun Jackson. They lost John Johnson the third, Troy Hill, Gerald Everett, and Josh Reynolds. They drafted Tutu Atwell, Bobby Brown, Eric, and uh, Robert Rochelle. Seahawks connection, new Seahawks tight end Gerald Everett is a Los Angeles, uh, was a Los Angeles Ram. Uh, Kevin, what do you think about the Los Angeles Rams? Oh. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams are an interesting squad because I don't know what they did to get better, but I can definitely tell you what they did to get worse. Um, they lost, arguably, like they lost a top three defensive coordinator who went on to become a head coach. They lost a lot of their offensive and defensive coaching staff. Um they lost multiple key players on both sides of the football losing john johnson and troy hill are really big losses for them and losing role players like josh reynolds and gerald everett are the kinds of things that can kind of come back to bite you they added a quarterback and so it kind of becomes how much do you think adding matt stafford makes up for losing a ton because if you look at their draft Tutu atwell doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to contribute a ton right away because he like is roughly as any of you out there who have um like 10 year old sisters he's about as big as them so he's they say he weighs 165 pounds but i think that is extremely generous he weighs 165 pounds with your son on his back giving a piggyback ride like like this dude's tiny and then they uh, added a linebacker, but like they needed two or three linebackers. So, okay, congratulations. And then like Bobby Brown's a guy who's uh, really interesting physical tools, but developmental. Uh, Robert Rochelle's developmental corner. I just don't think they added a lot of guys who are going to impact this year. That being said, with their schedule and everything, I still have them going 11 and 6. Um, so here's, a, here's the thing for me, is that going from Jared Goff to Matt Stafford even though I think Matt Stafford uh, is fairly maligned a little bit, he's so much better than Jared Goff. Uh, Jared Goff is probably the worst starting quarterback in the NFL or close to it. And they had good offenses with him. So the, the kind of the sky is the limit for this offense with Matt Stafford at quarterback. They could be literally the best offense in the league and they still have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So even though the defense did lose significant players, and I do think it will, it will make their road a lot harder uh their their schedule lines up a lot better in my opinion than the the last schedule and you know the, the than the cardinals and i like um they're gonna get you know the colts without wentz they start with the bears 
they play the Cardinals at home. Then they get the Giants and the Lions, like, and the Texans right in a row. Like, they get to start off the season so easy that they'll have like a they'll have built up a lead that at the end they can just suck at the end of the season. And it, won't, it won't even really matter that much. I, I have them at eleven and six and uh, sneaking into to the playoffs along with the Cardinals uh, as a wild card. Eric, what do you think about the uh, the Rams? Uh, I'm much higher on the Rams. I I thought it was really funny researching the the offseason for the Rams. Everyone kept every article, every blurb I could find kept talking about Matt Stafford's career. It was never like this is what he put up last year. Like I had to go find that out. It was it was all like Matt Stafford did all of this over nine seasons or whatever in Detroit. And I was like, wait, this that's you can't condense that into like what he's going to do. He's not going to have, you know, 232 touchdowns next season. It's just not going to happen. He's going so, to play nine seasons all at once. All, uh, I mean, only through nine games, mo- though. Most of the touchdowns Matt Stafford ever had was like 41, right? Yeah. And you, I think he could get to 41 just because the offense is so much better than any offense he's ever played in, right? See, the and I think he's, Good receivers in line, yeah. I think he's got a great offense, but I don't know. I think 41... It's a big ask. It's a lot. It's it's asking a lot. It's I'm seventeen games. The, it's seventeen games too, which is I'm, I was definitely factoring that into my calculations. I think the high end is. Well, if like, you told me you had like thirty six and twelve, I yeah, thirty six and twelve. Thirty six okay. is my high number. Thirty six seems 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 fair to me. It just do you do you agree with me that like kind of the there's there's a very high ceiling on this offense because of the McVeigh Stafford combination is so much better than McVeigh. That is. Like, <laughs> That is one part of it. The other part is the schedule you mentioned. And even looking at their they have some bad some bad teams sprinkled in at the end. This is a this team is set up to win this year. It kind of bothers me. It's kinda of like Tampa Bay last year. Either Rams at thirteen and four. Yeah, the second place schedule is pretty nice for, for NFC teams because the Giants somehow got second in their division. <laughs> well, they had to give it to someone. <laughs> and then and then you gotta face the Buccaneers, which sucks, but like I think the Rams at home against the Buccaneers is a pretty even matchup. You know, like that's the, they, that's how I guess that just says what I think. And then their other hardest game is at Packers, but they get that one coming off a bye. You know, so that that helps a lot. I think. All right, so we all are we all are kind of in on the Rams. Let's go. Let's go to the the Forty Niners. The Forty Niners added Alex Mack, Samson Ekubom, Muhammad Sanu, Maurice Hurst. Uh, they lost to Kella Witherspoon, Richard Sherman, Kendrick Bourne, Kerry Hyder. They drafted Trey Lance, Trey Sermon, the Trey's, and uh, Aaron Banks. Seahawks connection. Seahawks have pillaged this team for talent. DJ Reed, Akella Witherspoon, and Kerry Hyder are all ex 49ers. Eric, starting off with you this one. Uh, what do you think about the uh, the Niners? Well, what can we think about the 49ers? Who is the quarterback for the 49ers right now? Is it Jimmy G? Yes. Uh, until they okay, so I here's what I think yes. about the situation. Do you want you want, you want my opinion? Because I did I, oh, I want this notes. early. You want it early. Okay, is that there if Jimmy G's on the team, he will start as long as he's healthy. But you're crazy if you don't think when when uh, Carson Wentz went down with that foot injury, if their G- the what's their GM? Uh, it's the safety. John Lynch wasn't on the phone right away to them going, hey. Uh, you guys want to give us a second round pick for Jimmy G? <laughs> like they they were they were right there, right there because I think they they do believe in Trey Lance. Trey Lance, all the camp stories about how how smart he is, how how fast he's picking up the offense, and how he's doing it. And I that stuff was in some of the pre draft stuff. I started to pick up on that later. Is that Trey Lance is actually like sneakily like the 
the quarterback genius of this quarterback group. Like he's really understands it. He just doesn't have a lot of reps. You know, he didn't get the play time that he needed maybe to develop his his uh, his acumen as a passer. Right. Like he just he kind of he played one season on a on a D2 team or whatever. Right. It's not, he just needed he needed more more uh, more time in the oven, I guess. But he's really smart and. And so I, I think they want to go with Trey Lance. That's their deepest desire. And oh. they're hoping they're hoping for even maybe maybe the Colts are like, nah, pump the brakes. You know, it's only gonna be five weeks. But can't wait they, for Neat Sudfeld to get the start. They're they're waiting for some <laughs> catastrophic injury, right? Like some catastrophic injury to happen to some other team so that they can trade Jimmy G for a for a second round pick. Okay. So with that I just I think it would be so excellent if Trey Lance played the whole season because I don't think that's a good idea for rookie quarterbacks unless you're Peyton Manning and you have, you know, just no expectations. The 49ers aren't exactly built to win now, but they're not they're not just a bunch of young kids who don't know what they're doing. You know, they've they've reloaded some, they've they've brought in some young people. I I I would like to see them play Trey Lance. I don't think they're going to do it. And for that reason, I think he probably takes over mid-season. Maybe a trade towards the deadline where Jimmy G gets out. Maybe Jimmy G is struggling. That you know, maybe they're three and four. Maybe they're you know two and five, and they got to bring Trey Lance in. I'm a little high on the 49ers because I'm high on the NFC West. I have the 49ers at ten and seven, just because this team they have a good coach, they have a good offense, at least a good offensive mind for their team, uh, and their schedule is going to help them get there. So this team is loaded talent wise. They have a lot of talent on this team. Uh, I I love Trent Williams. He played so good last year, and getting him back, I think, really anchors their line. Alex Math Mac is an old hand that they can use to kind of stabilize the inside of their line. And and I like I said before, I think centers can make a really big difference really fast. They're getting a lot of guys back from injuries last year that they they had they lost a lot of games to injuries. And it's a it's a really talented team, kind of top to bottom, except for I don't trust Jimmy G. And, and so here's the thing. The 49ers, uh, when they are good under Shanahan, they run a lot more than any other team in the NFL sans the 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 Lamar Jackson Ravens. Okay, other than Lamar Jackson Ravens. And I do think that they that they want that to be their identity. And here's one thing I, I don't get, okay, is people blow smoke up Kyle Shanahan's butt about how good he is as an offensive coach and how great he is. And he runs even more than Pete Carroll, who everyone just is like, oh, Grandpa Pete wants to run the ball. It's like <laughs> I understand like that the Kyle Shanahan way of running is better because he's more creative about how he gets the ball into his players' hands. But like it's the, he wants to run a lot too. Running is not necessarily bad. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, Trey, Trey Lance is – will give them that more of that running identity that I think they want because Trey Lance can really move with the football in his hands. And so, yeah, they want to get rid of Jimmy G they're desperate, but if he's healthy, I mean, he's probably just more prepared than Trey Lance. Trey Lance is not, uh, they, they'd like to give him a a season to just kind of sit and marinate. I bet because he's so smart, like as they keep saying in all these articles, how smart he is, uh, giving him a season to just sit there and kind of absorb everything would probably be really helpful the same way, you know, Kansas City did with Alex Smith and Mahomes, and I think that's a good comparison. Alex Smith, eh, he's okay. Jimmy Jimmy Grapple, eh, he's he's okay. And Trey Lance could be really good the same way Mahomes is really good, and uh, that they, they might want to do it 
same way they did. I like this team a lot. If they start Trey Lance from day one, I think they're a playoff team. But if they got if they give us a good dose of Jimmy G, I have them at ten and seven and just missing the uh, the wild card. Uh, Kevin, what do you think about the 49ers? I think that they have again. I I think that the NFC West is going to be a bloodbath this year. I don't think there's a bad roster here, but because of the nature of the preview, I want to point out the flaws when I point out anything. Um, so looking at the wide receiver core, it's Brandon Ayuk and Debo, Debo Samuel, two guys who have shown a lot of talent, um, though in specific skill sets, but have also shown a penchant for getting injured. Yeah, De- and behind Debo, them, Debo always hurt. <laughs> like he's so yeah, so their good play at- style requires them to do so much after the catch that it it makes injuries common. Dude, they're really good at getting the ball in Debo's hands, though, and and I like what he's. But man, he's just yeah, they, he can't stand keep him on the field. Man, it sucks. Well, and so if Ayuk or Samuel go out, then what? It's Muhammad Sanu. Yeah, Muhammad Sanu really going to do the Debo Samuel stuff in this offense. Whoa, whoa, right? This, this Travis Benjamin slander will not stand. Uh, Travis Benjamin. <laughs> when's the last time Travis Benjamin even played? And this is coming from someone who actually likes him, you know? Or like Jalen Hurd. I'm not buying the Jalen Hurd hype. I need to see something. Was it uh, Travis it's, Benjamin? Didn't he get? Like, he got like five targets last year. Yeah. It's yeah. Not exactly. Great. <laughs> Uh, I also think they need one of the interior offensive linemen they drafted to step up because Alex Mack is clearly on the decline of his career. He's at best an average center. And Daniel Brunskill didn't have a good season last season. Mike McGlinchey had, and uh, Lakin Tomlinson looked really bad pass blocking. Uh, They were really good run blockers, but their pass blocking was not good. And I would worry about that if you're going to give significant time to a rookie rookie quarterback who's used to playing behind an offensive line that has a massive advantage over the competition. So their offensive line is a little worrying. They have a great left tackle, though, and that makes up for a lot of other things. Uh, Their pass rush is really good. Like Nick Bosa is a trash, but he's also really good at rushing the passer. Eric Armstead is exceptional. They D4, got Maurice first for free. They did. <laughs> How which, did this happen? <laughs> uh, because John Gruden hates everything. Um, I'm so mad about it. He still loves himself though. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they have Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner make up a really good pair of linebackers, but then their defensive backs. This is one of the things I get salty about because everyone, everyone all season has been on the Seahawks about our corners and or they're on the Jets about their corners. And no one's bringing up the fact that San Francisco, in order to not have arguably the worst cornerback core in the NFL, is relying on a healthy season from Jason Verrett. That is problematic. Jason Verrett is like I think he used up all of his leftover healthy games. Because he only has like maybe like forty for his career, and I think he just used the rest of them up last season. Thirty. He's played in the NFL for six seasons, and he has started thirty-five games. Yeah. He's, All right. He's got five games left. He's on the IR all the time. This is his career. Two thousand fourteen IR week eleven. Two thousand sixteen IR week five. Two thousand seventeen IR week three. Two thousand eighteen IR preseason. <laughs> it's just like uh, two thousand nineteen IR week five. It's the Greek tragedy. <laughs> it's and bad, so, man. And hey, so, they have Seahawks, they have Seahawks legend Gavin Heslop, though. Exactly right. Wow. They have what Emmanuel Mosley is like is adequate. You know, uh, Kwan Williams at slot corners fine. Dante Johnson is it's, kind of their Trey Flowers. So hey, dude, you know, feel what good. Do you, what do you think about picking up the corpse of Tony Jefferson? 
So uh, then they have Jimmy Ward and Jaquiski Tart at safety, which I don't think is as good of a safety duo as we're rolling out. I just think I don't think their I don't think their lack of defensive backs is adequately being talked about. It's it's a big problem. Tony Jefferson was like the best, one of the best safeties in the league five years ago, and he just fell off the earth. Then five years happened. Yeah, it's like, like in 2016, coming off that last year at the Cardinals, it was like Tony Jefferson hype train, man. He's and he's young, like he's 24, like he's 29. He's not even that old, but he's just he's just cooked. What do you got? He what had you a got? running back career. Would you have the Niners at Kevin? So I have the Niners at nine and eight, just missing the playoffs because I think they're going to bring in Trey Lance towards the end of the year. They're going to wait too long. Yeah. I think they're going to wait too long, but I think it's going to be kind of on purpose. If you're if you're a team that's good at run blocking, like they are, like they that Trey Lance is the right choice because you're going to run more if you have Trey Lance, right? And you can be more creative with your running because but the pass blocking be- might get him killed. The difference between Jimmy Graham, but the pass rush is going to be coming from in front of him all the time, so he'll be able to just run or throw it away. That's like why I have valid some confidence in it because Trent, Trent, Trent is a Williams is a rock. He's yep. so good. He's so good. And so, yeah, I have some level of confidence if they go with Lance that they'll make the playoffs. But if they don't, if they, the longer they wait to go with him, you're right. The worse their team's going to be because the just the Jim, Jimmy G ain't it. He's just not it. Jimmy and Gold Jackets. He can't he can't run away from the pass rush or anything? Or he, he's going to get. He is. He will get. Believe hurt. that guy stumbled just a little bit in his Hall of Fame career. Can't you know, when you have a up. Hall of Fame career in your rearview mirror, you know, sometimes towards the end they tail off. This right. could be his Peyton Manning season. All right, this is going to be the team we talk about the most, so this will be the shortest preview of the season because they're getting a full episode preview uh, not too far away. So uh, multiple, really. Uh, Seahawks went 12-4 last year. They added Al Woods, Alden Smith, Robert Kimdiche, Gabe Jackson, Shaquille Griffin, Quentin Dunbar, Carlos Hyde. They, no, these are guys they lost. Shaquille Griffin, Quentin Dunbar, Carlos Hyde, David Moore. Uh, they drafted Dwayne Eskridge, Trey Brown. Uh, Stone Forsyth, Seahawks connection. This is the Seahawks. They're connected to all of these players. Okay. Uh, Eric, I just want you to um, pick one Seahawk that you think will surprise, and then give me your give me your record for the team. Ooh, one Seahawk uh, that I think will surprise. I'm going to go with. Uh, uh, I guess now's the time to say it, Chris Carson. Oh yeah, I oh, think Chris uh, Carson is going to have a great season. Nice. And dear Lord, if I'm wrong, I'm going to be so sad. But I'm just I'm expecting like two games where you're like, oh, that's 80 yards from Chris Carson, and and he was kind of quiet, 79 yards, something like that. Um, but yeah, Chris Carson's my guy, and uh, for for that, it's uh, that's a victory in itself. For the record, uh, Seahawks twelve and five. Uh, I'm my guy is going to be uh, Jordan Brooks. I think Jordan Brooks is going to cement himself as one of the ten best linebackers in the National Football League. So uh, so get ready for that. And uh, yeah, I have the Seahawks at twelve and four or twelve and five. Sorry, and uh, they have the one seed in my uh, tiebreaker because I have uh, three 12 and five teams. So. Uh, Kevin, what do you what do you think? Who's your Seahawks? Who do you want to plant your flag in? And then uh, what's your what's your record? You know, once again, I find myself uh, rolling up against my mortal enemy, Eric, and I'm picking Rashad Penny Ooh, as my breakout player. Penny. Um, I think Rashad Penny is going to finally have a healthy season. And I think we're looking at I'm going to go for a thousand combined yards from scrimmage. Ooh, OK, so like so like maybe like uh, so between him and so, you know, Carson gets a thousand yards penny gets 500 rushing yards but penny makes up for it with like a hell of a receiving season that's kind of what you're 
what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm thinking like uh, like Carson gets around a thousand. I think Penny gets like between six and seven hundred rushing yards, but then has like a good receiving season. Dang, we run we run a lot. If uh, if that happens, I like it. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm all about establishing the run now, you guys. I don't know. We got to pound the rock, <laughs> establish the run. Uh, if we want to be that that uh, that team, so there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so head to onlytwelves.com for as little as a dollar twenty four a month. Get access to our gambling podcast uh, starting next week, and uh, also. Uh, fantasy football leagues for patreons uh will be starting up uh will be establishing those leagues are established i've made the lists we'll be uh rolling them out over the weekend and getting everyone signed up and then we'll do our drafts and uh hopefully uh so there's we, we did not get to 30 which was the number i needed to get to make uh two or three leagues so we'll have two leagues a 12 team and a 14 team league so it's going to be brutal <laughs> Get, get, get ready to get brutalized uh, by these fantasy football leagues. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. So thank you to our current patrons, Andy, Brett, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Bob, Casey, Phloctomus, Foles, Jay, Kieran, Leon, Michelle, Mike, A, Mike, W, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, uh, Nick, and Brandon. Thank you guys for supporting the show. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we're going to now go to movie club, movie club. Okay. So we watched, we, t- we previewed this a couple weeks ago. We said, yeah, we're going to do No Sudden Move. It's going to happen. So you should watch it. We now have watched No Sudden Move. It, is, it has happened. Uh, so No Sudden Move is the new Soderbergh movie. It is available on HBO Max. If you haven't watched it yet, you should go watch it because this is going to be all spoilers from this point forward. Fact. Um, we're not going to hide anything. But uh, it was it's a Soderbergh movie. You've been warned. It is a, like a, a gangster slash uh, heist movie kind of i would say it has a very period piece coen brothers vibe that's that's the vibe i would say it has it has a coen brothers uh kind of vibe to it and uh yeah go ahead and uh give it a try now let's start with uh eric eric what is um what do you think about no sudden move what's your general thoughts about the movie uh general thoughts i liked how as you said it's a period piece but it didn't Kevin said that. Well, well, I mean, either way, it is a period piece, but it didn't feel like it, and that that almost that's almost goes against it for me. But it it managed to feel modern yet still take place in the olden times. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I was like, "Did I say old timey or do I say olden times?" I feel, like, uh, I feel like you just did like a spoiler for the village. The, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the village, but it doesn't suck. How's that? Um, yes, it, it's exactly like the village. Thank uh, you, thank you, Eric. Some, some, the end. See, see you next week, guys. Uh, um, Don Cheadle. You know, forget Don Cheadle's Marvel work, which is like if I ever meet Don Cheadle, I'll be like, man, you're an amazing actor. Why'd you ruin your career in all those Marvel movies? Because you look awful. You sound awful. You're just awful. Uh, Don Cheadle in this movie reminds you why we all love Don Cheadle and think that putting in putting in work for sure. Doesn't yeah. it? I'm gonna say by the way, by the way, the answer to your question, it Don Cheadle would say because someone backed up a Brinks truck. Didn't it? Didn't it seem like we stepped into like the middle of some kind of serialized TV show that starred Don Cheadle? Yes, and then like we're in like episodes. Episodes three and four of some kind of like yeah. I was like, we missed show. the part where he had just gotten out of jail, but, uh, but like we picked it up on the before. part where the first big thing happens, and then, and then now the next episode's like I want to watch all the other episodes of uh, of the the Kurt Goins story. Like I want to see what happened before that got that because everyone's mad at him and he went to jail, and I want to see what happened at, and how he got that book, and I want to see what happened after. You know, <laughs> like when yeah, he goes it's to like Kansas a, City. 
Red Dead Redemption, I just yeah, the ending have, is delightful. I want to have sequels where they show what happened before and what happened before and what happened before. And then the other quick hit I'll take from this movie that I really enjoyed. Wow. Welcome back to the acting pantheon, Brendan Fraser. Dude, Fat Brandon Fraser was so good in this movie. Fat Brandon Fraser, like he's oh my god, he's been putting in work in Doom Culkin. Patrol. He's Kieran Culkin. I feel has always just been there in the background. As long as you don't make him a star, he's gonna be a really good. He's gonna knock it out of the park. Yeah, good yeah. use of those two people. Like that was that was a a nice dose of each of them we, being set up to would succeed. You, would you say we're in the uh, Brendanessance? Then we might oh. be. Look at his upcoming films, man. This guy is he is on his way to an Oscar nomination and possibly the Mummy 4. So Fabron and Frazier in this movie reminded me of uh Fat Russell Crowe in in uh The Nice Guys. Where oh. like it's it's kind of like <laughs> wow. a it's kind of like a similar like um actor you love doing something actually cool for once, uh and like then uh like you know, a Brendan Fraser, you like Brendan Fraser. He's enjoyable. Those mummy movies are are fun. Like you can't, you can't like. Yeah. Hate, it's seen hate only on solid. And then, and then <laughs> he's do, but now he's doing like a like a cool serious role that you really like, and um and you're just like, man, this guy can really bring it. Let's get him in everything. Like that's what I'm. That's what I was thinking throughout the whole movie, Eric. Just like you, I was like, let's get him. And and then do you know who else was really good in this movie? Uh, Amy Cements, like as yeah. the yes. ch- chain smoking wife. I was like, oh, get her in so many movies right now. She is amazing in this like i am so in into this so yeah uh the one thing about soderbergh and i think Eric, By you're, julia you're kinda, julia fox uh kinda, the other main female character was really good as uh, ray liotta's wife oh yeah she's great i was gonna bring it up but yes uh eric you're you're kind of thinking the, the way that soderbergh casts man like this cast is so good and everyone is just every role is perfect right you got I think that's what i love about soderbergh Don Cheadle playing Kurt Goins. You got Benicio del Toro as Ronald Russo. You got surprise Matt Damon. It's like a jump scare when Matt, yes. <laughs> Matt Damon shows up as, as, Mr., as Mr. Big, dude. It's like, whoa, Matt Damon, what? And because uh, he's uncredited, you know, they don't they don't tell you at all. And then boom, he's there. He, he plays is such a such a sh- such like a just a shitty person. It's great. John John Hamm playing a cop again. Uh, you got you got uh, wait, what's the um. The, the 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 bat the um aldrich watkins bill duke bill duke man yes. he he's uh, bill awesome duke's in still this alive movie. bill duke's still alive and man yeah. he just low low-key bringing it in that role well, no, ray liotta playing a total piece of crap which is what ray liotta plays best oh yeah and david harbour man as like a serious actor not doing something stupid like god he's love actually that. he's become a really great character actor and that's yes. pretty awesome but he needs yeah, more playing roles, like, like the jittery family man was so good mm-hmm. more of this less of Hellboy and what he was doing in Suicide Squad. More of Crap. like this. This was the good stuff. Uh, yeah. So, um, okay, Eric. Sorry, I kind of, I kind of went, got wanted, got my, uh, my casting rant in there. Right no, that's that's really talking. all I wanted was uh, I just wanted quick hits. I think we all enjoyed the movie, but the, what I took away were those three three things. So that's fine. It's a little bit of a slow burn. Like it's not, um, it's not hitting quite as. Uh, quickly as maybe my ideal you know i'm looking for a little bit but by the end you're just so involved in the the way that uh soderbergh spins that that web so you're constantly like untangling it piece by piece right is really i think super satisfying and i think my favorite part of that was when the uh, Benicio del Toro looks at the document. And he's like, "Oh, it's some kind of exhaust system." And then they go to <laughs> go. They go to um, uh, the what's the character's name? Uh, Capelli. They go to Ray Liotta's house though, and he's like, "It's a Cadillac convertible." 
Yes. <laughs> I don't know, man. Some kind of Cadillac convertible. <laughs> so so good. And I do think it's nice that they sprinkled like a little bit of like overall period uh, commentary in, you know, like some nice. Yeah, redlining like, and uh, gentrification. Uh, and well, and also like the fact that this guy, uh, Mr. Big, is buying this Cadillac convertible plans because he wants to keep he wants to stop people from having it. And like he's literally stopping people from making cars more uh, environmentally friendly. He's willing to pay what was it, three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars to 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 stop that. So yeah, I don't know. I found that uh, there's that's a little a uh, little like anti uh, corporate spying slash like scumbag corporate guy uh, commentary that I found really enjoyable. Uh, Ken, what do you think? Uh, I thought so. Uh, I, you know, I love my uh, analogies. Uh, this movie was like a well-made vanilla milkshake. You know, it, it was just really smooth. It was very enjoyable. It, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a super standout. It wasn't um, my favorite Soderbergh movie or anything. But it's a movie that was just a really easy to watch movie that, like you said, it unraveled nicely. You're able to follow things and anything where it was like, huh, this is kind of out of place. They kind of went back and were, and you got like a little bit of a scene to kind of cap it. So the storyline was smooth for you. It made sense. Uh, it was really just a lot of talented people being put in roles where they were allowed to show how good they were. Um, I thought Benicio Del Toro's Raul Russo was excellent. The the thing uh, that I was thinking too, Kevin, is that, that the... Um, okay, like there was like a... So Benicio... Uh, Steven Soderbergh, when he's kind of uh, in his element at his best, he like okay. I'm gonna give a specific example. That's there's a shot where sorry about that. There was a Hitchcock movie outside of my window. I don't no, know I, I, hear I heard it, and I was like, I'll take over. <laughs> I was like, I'll take over for a minute. Uh, Don, when Don Cheeto walks into that restaurant, and he walks into the restaurant, and then you track him from the door over to his seat when he sits down and then they pan out to the to fill the whole room i thought that was like a really cool shot but then there's so many shots in this movie where soderbergh obviously was like playing with a fisheye lens and it's like bro why incredibly distracting why are you doing this like it's like it's and he did the same thing when he made that iphone movie right it's like he was like i'm gonna make an iphone movie and like it was yeah high flying bird it got distracting at some point. Like you say, like, it just like, it's like, okay, we get it. Like you got a fisheye lens and you're really, you think it's really cool. And because of the way Soderbergh shoots, like he doesn't have alternative shots to go to when he, when he decides to edit the movie, he's just like, oh yeah, we did two of that. And I did them both with the fisheye lens. So this is what we're doing. You know, it's like, all right, well it, it made the movie a little worse. I think that he could, it's not like it's poorly shot or anything like they're all good, but it's just, he, he overdid it. Like kind of the way JJ Abrams overdoes lens flare. Yeah. I, I think that, I think there was a little bit of that. I think the other thing is um, like the period piece felt like it was a touchstone, but it wasn't as full on as I would have liked. Like I kind of agree with Eric in that sense. It was, it was a period piece the same way with that, like uh, last man standing with Bruce Willis. And <laughs> like that, that was a period piece. That's fair. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, again, it, it's a it's an enjoyable uh, story being told well with really good talent. So it like the floor was always going to be really high. I think that's the reason why Soderbergh movies are always a must watch for me is I'm like, well, this will be at least a three out of five. Yeah, for me, it was a four. 
Um, a three and a half, soft, yeah. soft four or a three and a half, a good three and a half. Um, I mean, if you really just want to watch, uh, if you are like new to Soderbergh's library and you listen this far without watching the movie, just go watch Out of Sight first and then come back to this. I think that <laughs> the you know you can do better, but this is um this is a really solid uh I think fun movie and yeah the, it's just act it's just actors really chewing it up and like really solid cinematography it's just what what you like this is the kind of movie that i wish we had more of right like the the kind of mid-range uh it doesn't have to be like a i would watch five of this a year yeah exactly yeah, yeah exactly. like there should be one of these like every other month and it's like it was, yeah definitely gonna watch it was it. entertaining but doesn't have to be an awards film you know like I, why does everything have to be an awards film now, Either like, an awards film or a Marvel movie. Yes. Yeah. It's there's no in between. This is the perfect in between movie. And if if streaming services like Netflix are going to give us movies like this, then I'm for it. Like I yes. think you're in luck because I sadly I think this is that's the only audience for it. I mean, if you yeah. look back at how it's kind of the, the future of the mid level film, kind of. Well, yeah, that's how you know PTA. I got feel like that's what Triple Frontier was trying to be. I think that's fair. Uh, I almost like a. Uh, like an action version of that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I think like PTA cut his, cut his teeth on these type of movies. And unless they're going to be super well received, which they're not. Cause I feel like theaters just want action movies. And especially with 2020 and movies at home, I think it's changed things. Uh, I think you're in luck, Nathan. I think you're going to see a lot of more of these and on kind of just services coming straight to street. Yeah. I think that's the, you're right. That's bad a- for me. Cause I refuse to pay for Apple plus. I'm just not doing it. Apple TV, there, I'm not there's, doing it. There's like six good shows on there, though. They're all really, really good. That's and what I keep hearing. <laughs> it's the cheapest streaming service. All right. Anyway, for <laughs> Send me your password, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> for Eric, for Kevin, we'll see you in the Discord. Go Hawks. <laughs>